I welcome you this morning to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians. While you do that, my name is Brian Treas. It's a, one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you this morning as we continue this series that we've started last week on the book of Philippians, entitled The Appraisal of All Things. And it is our sincere hope that as, as we go through this series, that you will appraise your life in light of what the Scripture says in light of what the gospel calls us to. And so as you turn in your Bibles to Philippians 1, we're going to center, we're going to anchor in 12 through 18 today and spend the bulk of our time there. But before we get caught up on 12 through 18 and we look at that, let's, let's, let's go back and take a look at what we looked at last week when Joe kicked us off with Philippians 1, 1 through 11. And you quickly learn in verse 1 who wrote Philippians. And it was Paul and Timothy. And they were writing to the church in Philippi. And they were writing to them out of great affection for them as partners in ministry. And Paul says in verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Every time I'm praying to my God, I thank them for you, for the way that you've partnered with us, for the way that you have come alongside us and done life and ministry together. And then Paul starts teaching. And in verse 6, it's the verse we asked you guys to memorize last week. And we're going to call you to memorize a verse a week as we go through this series. And there's really a two-fold purpose for that. One, it never hurts to memorize God's Word. It's always good to have reserves in there when you're in a tough bind, when you need something to lift you out of where you are to be able to fall back and speak the very words of God into your life. But secondly, if you memorize these verses that we've laid out, you're going to be able to outline the book of Philippians. And just like 2 Timothy 2.2 says, you could pass this on to other people. And it is our hope that you can take the book of Philippians when you're done with it and you'd feel comfortable speaking it into the lives of someone else. And so Philippians 1.6 said, I am sure of this. Some translations say, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. And Paul's just speaking gospel truth. That when God begins a work in your heart, when he moves you from death to life, he has put you on a trajectory. He has put you on a path that you will not stop. You will get to the end. And no matter the temptations, the trials, the things that are going to happen in your life, you will persevere because he who is greater will finish what he starts. And that outline outlines the book for us. Everything that Paul's going to talk about fits into Christ will finish what he starts. And he continues thinking in seven, eight, and nine, th- or seven and eight, thanking them for their ministry before and he prays for them in nine and ten and eleven that they will grow in love and in knowledge, that they would be able to make wise choices and that the fruit of righteousness in their life will bloom. And then he turns gears when he hits verse 12. You see, in verse 12, the Philippian church knows what's going on. They know that their friend Paul is in prison and they know why he is in prison. He's in prison for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's be there because that's where God has him right now. And they are nervous in writing to Paul. They are nervous for his life. And they are nervous for his condition. But more so, when you, when you get the, the gist of what Paul is about to say to us, they are concerned about the progress of the gospel. They are concerned that the ministry of the gospel will stop if Paul's life is ended. Or if Paul's life is compromised in prison. You see, in that time... 
There would be movements all the time. And I think that this, the same is true today. People rise up and they have a belief and they have some momentum and something happens to the leader and the group flames out. This Philippian church is worried, well, what happens if something happens to Paul? Remember from last week how Paul was the one who came into Philippi. And Paul's the one who was used by Christ to touch Lydia and touch the slave girl and touch the jailer. And he began that church at Philippi. And they looked to him as an elder, as a leader. And they were concerned that the work of the gospel would be snuffed out if something happened to Paul. And so Paul is disclosing what was really going on. And this is what the Philippian church is looking for, this information. And he starts in verse 12 and he says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I want you to know, this is it, headlines. Get this, you need to know this. Brothers, that term brothers actually is used for the church as a whole. So brothers and sisters, you guys who I'm writing to, you need to know this. That what has happened to me, my imprisonment, my trial, my affliction, my beatings, my stonings, my shipwrecks, everything that has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. That word really there is almost a, like a, you're not going to believe this type word. It means like rather, on the other hand. Because what they were expecting was the gospel to decrease And Paul is saying, you're really not going to believe this. It's not natural. It's not human. But because of what has happened to me, you know what? The gospel has actually taken off. It is doing much more than I could have ever imagined. And I'm in prison. What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. It's an unbelievable work of God that can't be explained by any human ability. And Paul carries on in verse 13. And he says this, So that, those words so that are a results phrase. Paul is letting you know how the gospel has advanced. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. His imprisonment was for Christ and all those who he came around, the guard, all the rest... They were hearing about the gospel. And so Paul was put in different circumstances. He was put in adverse conditions. And what was still going out through him? The gospel. Imagine being one of those guards. You don't care about Christ. You don't care about his mission. You don't even really care about Paul. And you walk in his cell because you're bringing him some food. Or you're bringing him some water. Or you're doing your job. And he says, i got to talk to you. About what? The gospel. Again, this was what Paul's life was about. His life was about the gospel so that every single person that came into contact with him was affected by the gospel in Paul's life. They knew why he was there. They knew what it was about. But Paul's not done talking about the advancement of the gospel. Not only was the gospel advancing still through Paul in prison, The gospel outside of prison in Rome was advancing. Look in verse 14. And most of the brothers, not all, but most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. 
You're the type that like to write in your Bible. I would circle confident. I would circle much more bold. Speak without fear. These are words that are just insanely awesome. These people were looking at what was happening to Paul and they were unconcerned. You see, our government is trying to deter you from doing certain things, right? Our government really doesn't want you to murder people. I would agree with that. And so what they say is, if you murder someone, we're going to put you in prison for a while, or we might even take your life. And what we believe is, if we put these things in place, it will deter you from murdering. The speeding laws, maybe not so much. But they put things in place to try to deter us. And the hope was that they would see what would happen to Paul. And that when they took care of the shepherd, the sheep would be scattered. But the opposite was true. They looked at the punishment, they looked at the results, and they said, there is nothing we would rather do than be like our brother and proclaim the gospel even more boldly because we've seen what you've done to him, we see the worst that you could do to us, and we count it all loss because we can get to take part in the gospel. And they went out and they spoke more confidently and they spoke more boldly. And we're not talking about you had sheepish people who all of a sudden could do this. You're talking about people who are regular people like you and me who they see something and they said, I am going to align my life with that. And we're going to go wherever it takes us. Now this is not true of all. The, the Verse 14 said most. Here's verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, out of envy, out of jealousy, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in prison. You see, the latter do it out of love. There are people who view Paul as an ally, as a friend, as a partner in ministry. And the best thing that they could do out of their affection for Paul, out of their affection for Jesus, was to take up that mission and to live it out in their everyday lives and to be people of the gospel. And there's other people in this community who kind of viewed Paul as a threat. They kind of viewed Paul as competition. And now that Paul was in prison... They said, this is our chance. We can, we can stick it to Paul because we can proclaim this out and free. When he hears that, he's going to be annoyed because his ministry is stopping. And this is where you expect Paul to go off on one of his yelling sessions where he gets angry. But Paul doesn't do that. Look what he does here in verse 18. <laughs> what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. In that I will rejoice. See, Paul wasn't concerned about what the motives were or who was doing what. Paul wanted one thing, for Christ to be proclaimed. He wanted the gospel to go out. And that brings us to our word of the day, the gospel. What this section of scripture calls us to is it causes us to appraise our lives in view of the gospel And like words have a tendency to do, they can be used so often in so many different uh, environments that the words can kind of lose meaning. And so when we're talking about the gospel this morning, we're talking about the story of God. We're talking about how there there was a God who created everything in the universe. 
And that God, Father, Son, and Spirit created all that was seen and unseen. And when He created everything that we can see, He said it was very good. And then He created humanity. And He said it was very good. And those humans, those, those first mother and first father, Adam and Eve, got to walk and talk with God. And they lived in an unhindered, unbroken relationship with their Savior. But one day they looked at him and they said, you are not enough for me. I want to be just like you. I want to be in control of my life. And they reached and they took the fruit at the temptation of the serpent and they gave in and they ate the fruit. And in that simple, careless act of rebellion, Sin and death entered our world. And life has never been the same since. Our lives now, every one of us who has been born from that day, have lived lives that are stained and scarred by the reality of sin with the awaiting of the eventual penalty of death. Because death is the only penalty worthy of a holy, perfect, and just God. But because of God's great love for us, He did not want us to stay in that position. He sent His one and only Son to come to this earth. And that one and only Son lived a perfect life. And for 33 years, He was a perfect example of life with God. And because He was stainless and spotless and blameless... He was worthy as the God-man to lay down his life so that he could die in our place for our sin. And that upon raising from the dead, as we celebrated a couple of weeks ago at Easter, he has broken the power of sin and he has broken the power of death so that whoever believes in him could have eternal life and peace with God. And Jesus went back up to heaven to live with his father. And he is coming back one day to make all things new, to make all things right, to restore everything that is broken, and to defeat sin and death once and for all. And that is the gospel. And so this morning we need to talk about the gospel. And our first point this morning is that the gospel is bigger than you. The gospel is bigger than you. In that story of who God is and what God is doing, we do not play a very significant role. In fact, the only thing we have to offer the gospel is our sin that makes it necessary. The gospel does not revolve around us. The gospel does not revolve around our whims and our desires and and our greatness and and our depravity. The, The gospel revolves around God. And is bigger than you and is bigger than me. But in the grace of a great God, the gospel includes us. The gospel includes us. We have been invited into God's story. And it includes us in the receiving and in the giving. See, God looked down at us and he said, I want you to be part of my family and I'm going to reach down and I'm going to give you the faith necessary to believe in my son and I'm going to add you into my story. And that's where Philippians 1.6 comes in. That he who has started a good work in you is going to carry it on into completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
But that's not where the story ends for us. You see that we are not just included in the receiving of the gospel. We have been included in God's story in the giving of the gospel. We have been called into being workers and messengers and on mission for God as the gospel is going out into this world. The gospel is bigger than us, but it includes us by God's grace. We we are included in the receiving and we are included in the giving. But there's another problem with the gospel. The gospel can be abused. The gospel can be abused. We look again at verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. In verse 17, the former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. Things from God being abused is not a new, uh, new concept for us. If you look at the book of Romans, Paul has to spend a, pa- a section of scripture there going, should I sin more so that grace should increase? And should I keep sinning so, that can, so there could be more grace? Because grace is good. And if I want more grace, I can sin more and get more grace. And Paul says, no, silly. It's not the way it is. But the reality about grace is if grace does not have the power to be abused, grace does not have the power to be transforming. Same with the gospel. If the gospel doesn't have a way it can be abused, it doesn't have the power to transform. And it can transform, and so it can be abused. And you can go out and you can speak the gospel, and you can do it for your own benefit and for your own gain. You can do it to try to make a point, and you can try to do it so it's all about you. We can abuse the gospel in our lives. But even though we can abuse the gospel and do it for financial gain, and we can do it for uh, uh, status or whatever reason we want to, we can rest assured in our fourth point that the gospel cannot be stopped. Paul's response, Paul's response to the abuse of the gospel is, what then? What are they really going to do? What are they doing in pretense or they're doing in truth? What is the reality? Christ is being proclaimed. Our God is greater. He can take something out of bad circumstances and make it glorious. And so even though we have people who are going about and they're proclaiming Christ for the wrong reasons and you see people on TV who you think, man, they are just doing it for themselves. If the gospel is being proclaimed, if Jesus is being lifted up, there can be a victory there. But the gospel is also not being stopped in Paul's personal life, is it? Even though the people have tried to take every power away from Paul, they could not take his alignment with the gospel. And even in prison, the gospel is going out from him. Even in prison, his ministry is expanding beyond the walls of the prison, out into Rome, out through all the places he's been. Because the gospel can't be stopped. So it leads me to make an observation that regardless of the circumstance of life, regardless of what is going on, the church is God's chosen instrument to take the gospel to this world. You see, Paul was writing this to the Philippian church. And he's saying, Philippian church, 
You're going to have some decisions you have to make. You're going to have tough times ahead. You're going to have circumstances beyond your control. But you need to persevere through that. You need to have the attitude of Christ Jesus. And you need to pursue the gospel with yourself and with others. And Paul has the same message for our church today. That regardless of the circumstance in life, the gospel goes out through us. It goes out through people We just have the question of appraising our lives. As we appraise our lives, we must seek to align them with the gospel. With a room this size, there's there's probably two different types of people in here. One of those types of people is you, you walk in and you say, Brian, that's not my story. This might be the first time you've heard the gospel. Maybe you've heard the gospel before and it's never sunk in. Maybe this is a first time where you say, man, I may understand what God has done for me, what Christ has done for me. And if you're at that point or you're wrestling with that, I urge you today to make that decision to trust Christ. Not for the glory of any church here or any person here, but because the greatest thing in the world is when someone joins God's family. And we want you to align your life with the gospel by becoming a part of God's family. The second person who's in here today is is those who have said, yes, Brian, I I hear what you're saying. I have aligned myself with that gospel. I believe in the work of Christ on my behalf where he did what I could not do and he brought me into the fold. And my question for you is, how is your life aligning with the gospel after that? See, I kind of view it as a pendulum. And there's times where everything is right in line and you're right. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing and you are going after the gospel. But there's times where you swing to either side. And whether through choices you make or whether through choices other people make on your behalf or just things that happen in life, sometimes you find yourself out of alignment with the gospel. But what we're going to look at this morning is what can happen when we choose to align our lives with the gospel, when we are about the things that God wants us to be about. And the first one is this. When we align ourselves with the gospel, we are available with the gospel for people. We're available with the gospel for people. Look again with me at verse 13. Paul has just said, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me is actually served, is really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. That word praetorian guard there, or that word um, imperial guard, it's kind of an unusual phrase. Uh, the Greek word there is actually a place. It's talking about a, a, a place. And, and so when you use it in this way, it's, it's the people who work in that place. So these are government people. These are military people. These are army people. And in that day... While Rome was the, 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 the holder of the empire, the reality is, is they got what they wanted by taking what you thought you had. And they would take whatever they needed to achieve what they wanted. And so the government wasn't always this bastion of goodness. This was kind of viewed as the, the people you wanted to stay clear from. You wanted to stay out of their way. You wanted to not be on their bad side. And here is Paul. The people who were not exactly being pursued with the gospel. The people he's spending his most time with because of the people he's around. It's the people that he 
is doing life with now on a daily basis. And Paul doesn't care what their religion is. He doesn't care what they look like, what they talk like, what their job responsibilities are, how much money they make. He doesn't care at all. What he cares about is that they don't know Christ. And that needs to change. And so to all of these guards, to all of these servants, to all these people who he's coming around, Paul is at work preaching the gospel. And when you come in here on a Sunday morning, you have an expectation that whoever is going to stand up before you is going to be honest with you and is going to be transparent with you. And, and, and I can't stand up before you today and tell you that the, you, to align your life with the gospel is to go after people, even people who don't look like you, who don't talk like you, who don't think like you, and say that, man, I hit that out of the park. You can put me up on a stage, you can put me in front of kids, and I feel strangely comfortable. But you put me in that, in that haircutting chair with Laura cutting my hair, and she starts sharing life with me, and I feel that thing in my gut of going, oh man, I really should tell her something. I really have this, this hope in Jesus Christ that, that she needs. You know, and sometimes I say it. Oftentimes I just bite my tongue because I'm a little shy. I'm a little nervous. You know, we have a neighbor across our street who my, my son always likes to play out in the front yard and he loves to run around to this guy's house because he's got this pond in his yard and I'm pretty sure that, that he doesn't know Christ. And I, we go over there and we talk and, man, to tell him about what's going on in my life, what's going on at work, it just makes me so nervous. But as I look to align my life with the gospel, I am convicted that it's about people. And it's the people God has brought into your path who need this. Who need you to stand up and say, I got something I need to tell you. On Tuesday... Uh, our pastor Joe and I are leaving for Romania. We're going to uh, be doing some family ministry type stuff over there and talking to a church about how they set up their uh, children's stuff and how they're working with young kids and families. And we would, we would cover your prayers. And we, 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 you know, we always are very thankful for prayer and safety. But if I could be even more specific, if you want to pray for us, pray that we'll be bold. Pray that whether it be in an airport or be in an airplane seat, someone we meet on the street or someone in a church, may we be ready to share our faith. And as a church staff, we are doing the same thing for you because we know that you are out in places we could never get. You are in schools and in communities and neighborhoods and teams that we don't have access to right now. And what our prayer is for you is that you will have that same boldness that Paul had to share the gospel. Because as you align your life with it, there is nothing else that matters. When you align your life with the gospel, you are available with the gospel for people. The other thing that happens when you align your life with the gospel, you are available with the gospel despite your circumstance. I 
if we were to go around and if I was going to be able to hear all of your stories today, some of you guys would find yourself at a place where you really wanted to be. You'd find yourself in a place where things are going well and things are kind of where you charted them out to be and you're really extremely happy with where life is right now. And there'd be some of you that would have stories that would break my heart because they're breaking your heart. And you're going through things like the death of a loved one or infertility, or that child who just isn't getting it right now and is rebelling against you at every turn. Or your marriage isn't working out the way that you thought it was going to work out. And the relationships in your life are fractured and broken. And honestly, if you're here and things are working out, you've either just been through a time where they weren't, or you know that one could be coming. Because in this world, our circumstances are not promised to us. And we go through highs and we go through lows. And as Paul is writing this letter in Philippians, he's saying, look at my circumstances. They're not good. I'm in prison. But yet the gospel is still going out and I am still clinging to that gospel in my life. And we have to ask Paul, how did you do that? How were you able to do that in the midst of your circumstance? I believe it's because Paul realized something extremely crucial. That everything in this world is temporary. Oh, I've got this great job. I've been in this job for so many years and everything is great. You know the reality of our jobs are, including mine? My job is one conversation from being over. Oh, we don't have the budget right now. You know, things are working out. We're having to downsize. You know, our, our product isn't going off the shelves anymore. Ratings aren't as good anymore. We're one conversation away from our jobs being changed. We're one broken leg from soccer season being over. And if you watch the news or if you watch or if, if you've experienced real life, you know that even life is fleeting. That parents lose children way before they ever should. That, that, that children lose parents even when they're expecting to. It's just rough. And the circumstances in our life sometimes can be the hardest thing we have to deal with. Whether it's the choices that we've made or it's the choices that someone else has made for us. And Paul says they're all Temporary. They're all going to pass away. Every circumstance in your life will come. It will go. But the one thing that cannot be taken from you is the gospel. What God has come in and done in your life and how that word of God is permeating you and sending you forward because Christ is going to finish what he has started in your life, that gospel is not going to go away. It is never going to perish. It's never going to fade. And if in the middle of your circumstances you can hold on tightly to the hand of your Savior, you can hold on tightly to that gospel, when you get through to the other side, when you get out of that dark tunnel into the light, you will be stronger in your faith because of it. Because the circumstances in our life provide us with the greatest ability to be spiritually transformed but it can also be a place where our faith goes to die. Be a place where we let go of that gospel, where we walk away from the things of this world that we know are so true because the circumstances have just gotten so hard. And Paul is saying, cling to the gospel because it's not going to go away.
If you're here this morning and you're grieving and you're sad and the circumstances aren't going the way that you want them to go, I am not telling you to stand up and preach to the next person you meet. What I'm asking you to do is to cling to the gospel with all that you can. Because when you get through this time, you will be better for it and your relationship with Christ will be strengthened. But the other thing that I can promise you is this. God does not bring us through circumstances for no reason. I can't always tell you the why. I can't tell you why something's happened to you. But I can tell you this. There's going to be a good chance that you're going to be able to look back and see someone else who is walking through the same dark tunnel that you have. And you're going to have a chance to reach out and take their hand and say, I have walked through this with Christ. Let me show you how to walk through it. And you can perform the ministry of the gospel in their life. When we align our lives with the gospel, we're doing it for people. We're doing it despite our circumstances. And we are available with the gospel for the glory of God. Paul ends in verse 18 and he says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I tolerate it. No, he doesn't tolerate it. He says, in that I rejoice because it's not about Paul. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about our great God who is going to get all the glory from a changed life. And every time a life moves from death to life, God is glorified. Every time someone goes from sitting on the sidelines to getting in the game of ministry, God is glorified. And that is why we do what we do, to glorify God. When your life is aligned with the gospel, you're all in. It's the bottom line for today. It's the question that I want you to wrestle with as we move into communion and as we leave these doors. That regardless of the circumstance in your life, regardless of anything that is going on with you, are you willing to align your life with the gospel? Are you willing to see everything as temporary? except for the gospel. A little while ago, we talked about how there's, there's two people in here, and, and one of them is those who um, haven't made this their story, that they've not aligned with their gospel in the first way of accepting Christ's work on their behalf. And if you're in, in this room today, and that's you, and you have not been moved from death to life, and you have not trusted in Christ, my prayer is that you do. And after the service, we'll have people up front who can talk to you. Any of these men who are passing out the elements would love to talk to you. There's people on your row that would love to talk to you. Because nothing would make God more proud than for you to join his family today. But if you're that other camp, if you're those people who have said, yes, I've aligned myself with that gospel, I believe in the work of Christ on my behalf, What I want you to spend the next few minutes pondering as the elements are passed and we hold them to take them together as a family meal, how you are aligning with the gospel right now. Are you aligned for people? Are you aligned despite your circumstances? Are you aligned for God's glory and not your own?